are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. You ever been somewhere wonderful and thought, if I had only known, I would have stayed a little longer? If I had only known, I would have brought a little bit more money. If I had only known, I wouldn't have brought my kids. Kristen said that recently when we went to Cleveland. Just kidding. (laughs) Sorry, that's just funny to me. But uh, nobody else, so. If I had only known, I would have stayed a little longer. If I had only known, I would have brought a little bit more money. I want to speak to you on this subject, if I only knew. If I only knew. Ever been somewhere horrible and thought, if I had only known... I would have never went. In John's vision, did you say Cleveland? I figured. In John's vision of the end of time, that letter that was written we call the book of Revelation. He describes a time when God will judge the earth. In Revelation 20, 11, he says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was, no, was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written... And the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's a tough passage to read. It's a tough passage to read because there are so many people who will probably say, if I had known, if I had really known what it would be like I would have done things a little bit different. It's not a happy thing. I I don't think there's any preacher who loves God that enjoys mentioning the term hell and what it represents, but it's there. And if, if I only knew... I only knew the real impact 
that hell has, I think it would probably change my perspective. The writer of Hebrews said this, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're surrounded today by a great cloud of witnesses. A great cloud of people who have gone before us, who have fought a good fight, who have kept the faith. And they petition us like fans in a stadium saying, run the race. Run the race that is set before you. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside every sin. Lay aside everything that so easily ensnares you. Because if you only knew what's on the other side, you'll say that it's worth it. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's not a sprint. It's a race. And it requires endurance. The writer of Hebrews would continue. He would say that we run our race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who himself, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was that good for him to endure the cross? What was so joyful that he would endure such great suffering? Something was that good. Something was that amazing and powerful and great that he would say, I'll endure the cross. I'll endure the suffering because there's a joy that's set before me. And so the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every sin that so easily beset us and let us run with that same endurance, the race that is set before us. Paul would describe it, he said, for I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, and now there is a crown of righteousness that is waiting me. There is something waiting for each and every one of us in a world that is fast-paced and instant. There is a quality that Jesus describes that is necessary for the church and its endurance. You have to be able to walk through the tests and trials of life. Paul would say it like this in Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed 
in us. That when I consider both of them, when I consider the suffering and the trials and the, the struggles of this life, when I consider it compared to the glory of the life to come, it, it pales. There's nothing that even compares to it. If I only knew. First Peter chapter 1 I want to walk through this passage quickly today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to read out of the ESV. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, Paul says that he has caused us to be born again. Again, the New King James Version says he has begotten us. He made us a new creature. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Jesus would tell Nicodemus, he would say, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born Again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born Again, Peter said he caused us, he caused us to be born again. There's something that has to transpire in each of our lives, and that is a new birth. Just as Emma Nash sits up here today, a brand new baby, we too must come to walk in the newness of life. There's got to be a new way, a new way that we walk, a new way that we live. We must be born Again, if you have not repented of your sins and been water baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with his spirit, I tell you today, you need to be born again. We're born of water and of spirit. It is important to know that though, to know though where the opportunity to be born again comes from. Peter said it like this. He said, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. There's no other reason. There's nothing else but his mercy. It's from his mercy that we find this living hope. It's from his mercy and his grace that enables us to find this great living hope. Because of his mercy, you can live an overcoming life today. Because of his mercy, you can live a new life today. Because of his mercy, you can live a free life today. Because of his mercy. His mercy that was extended. You and I didn't deserve it. We know it. We didn't deserve it. But his mercy was extended to us. And because of that, we can find new birth. We can find a new life, a new way. 
He said, we're born again. Because of his great mercy, we're born again to a living hope. Not a one-time hope, not a dead hope, not a broken hope, but when we are born again, we come to walk into a living hope, a, a hope that extends while we're walking through the trials, the temptations, and the sufferings of this world. We're not walking without hope. It's not dead. It's alive. He said, you're walking with a living hope. You're born again to a living hope hope. And he says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope comes because, as we talked about last week, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Christ's resurrection is the cause of our resurrection. And so every day we live, we have a living hope. Peter said, then in the next verse, we have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I just want to remind us today that there is a living hope and it's an inheritance. It's an inheritance for us. We have a promise today of something better, something greater than what we're experiencing here on earth. I don't know if you think about it or have thought about it, but I've just come to simply remind us that if we don't know, we need to know that there is a better way. There's a better life to come. There is an eternal life that is waiting for us. There is an inheritance. And he calls it, he says, it's imperishable. It means it's uncorrupted. That no matter what happens on this earth, the inheritance that you and I have in this life to come is not going to be corrupted. It's not going to decay. It's not going away. He said it's undefiled. It's pure. It's as good as it's ever been. It's better than anything you'll ever experience on this earth. It's undefiled. And he said it's unfading. It will never change. That's why he said his mercy endures forever. And so according to his mercy, I can be born again and walk in a living hope to a future, to an inheritance that is unfading, that will never go away because his mercy, his mercy endures forever. Every prayer of forgiveness, every prayer of repentance you pray stands in the face of mercy. Every time you pray a prayer that asks God to forgive you of your sins, can I tell you there's an inheritance that will not fade and it's his mercy that endures forever. He hears your prayer. He hears your cry. He sees your hunger. Oh, if I only knew, if I only really knew, if I only really knew what he had prepared for us. Oh, hallelujah. 
You see, Peter didn't really describe an, our inheritance uh, as a physical place. He, he, he tells us uh, what it is not. He tells us that it can't perish, it can't spoil, and it can't fade away. He said, but it's kept in heaven. It's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are guarded by God's power through faith. We're guarded by God's spirit through faith. Though we walk through trials and though we walk through tests and we walk through suffering and difficulty, we're guarded by his power through faith uh, towards salvation, that we're walking every day towards a new day. We're walking every day towards a new place, uh, a new time, a new dimension, a new, a new thing. Oh, hallelujah. And if we only knew, if we only knew. And so we read in Revelation 20, 15, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But then the next verse, he says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. See, there was a new heaven and a new earth. This is not a remodel job. This is not trying to put together what's broken here on earth. If you only knew, if I only knew, it's a new heaven and a new earth. And he said, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I do not believe that this is merely a description of the place of heaven, but it's a description of the people and the atmosphere that will be in heaven. We don't really get a, a physical description of what heaven looks like per se. We, we talk about the, the streets of gold and the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl. But really that, in my opinion, is describing the church. It's describing the atmosphere because he said there's no need of a temple there because his light will be there. He will be with them. He will be among them. He'll be in the middle of this great city. He said the foundations are the apostles and prophets. He said that's what this city is built on. But he says there is a new heaven. There is a new earth. And sometimes we wish we had some description. We wish we had some kind of physical picture of what heaven looks like. But he said, no, I, I don't have anything to really give you because eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for his people. It's beyond what we can comprehend. Heaven is beyond what you and I can understand. But the writer said, John said, but let me tell you this. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God 
but he says, let me tell you what the atmosphere is going to be like. God will wipe away every tear from their eye, every tear from their eye, every tear of suffering, every tear of rejection, every tear of heartache, every tear of loss that you've ever cried on this earth. He said, when you get there, when you get to your inheritance, there's going to be such an atmosphere that you and I can't comprehend that literally no tears can ever come out of your eyes. I will wipe away every tear. He said there will be no more death and there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Oh, if I only knew, if I only knew what waits for me on the other side, heaven is going to be so incredible. It's beyond description. It's beyond anything that we can create, imagine, or think. My question today, what in this life is worth missing that life? What in this life is worth missing that life? Yes, you will have to endure. Yes, you will have to walk through fiery times. Uh, Yes, you'll have to walk through trials and struggles and difficulties. Uh, But if you endure, there is a joy. There is a greatness. There is a power that awaits all of us. And I don't know what heaven will be like physically. But I want to encourage us today to never, never let heaven Get out of your view. Never let heaven get out of your view. Heaven will be the greatest place you've ever been. It's indescribable. And I would submit that heaven will not just be the greatest place. It will be the most amazing atmosphere that you've ever experienced. See, we reach for glimpses of heaven here on earth. We look for places for vacation. We look for places of sleep and relaxation and enjoyment. He described heaven as a place of rest. It's the ultimate place that I know you may seek a retirement and a place to time to take it easy. You look for that day off. You look for that week of vacation. But he's saying, I've got something so indescribable. It's the greatest rest you've ever experienced. It's the greatest vacation you've ever experienced. It's the greatest enjoyment you've ever experienced. And no more suffering. No more drama, no more death, no more isolation, no more separation, no more loss. It's going to combine the amazing God, the amazing loving God with people, which scares all of us. I don't know if I want to go to heaven if people are going to be there. 
But these aren't the same people that you experienced on earth. They've been washed and given a robe of righteousness. They've been clean. They've been made new. It's going to take the best of God and combine it with the best human experience you've ever had. And it's going to be the greatest atmosphere that we've ever experienced in our life. And so that while I walk through fiery trials and I walk through difficult times, there is a salvation. There is a place prepared for me that's going to be greater than anything I've ever experienced. And I don't want to get to the end and say, if I only knew. Paul said, if I have hope in this life only, I'm of all men most miserable. If all I live is for this life, I will get to that point be absolutely devastated if I only knew. If I only knew how amazing heaven is. When you're frustrated in this life, think about heaven. When you're afraid in this life, think about heaven. When you're devastated, Because you miss somebody you love. Think. And remember heaven awaits. When your body hurts. Remember heaven. See Peter finishes. Where he says this in 1 Peter 1.6. He said. He said in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, life brings trials. Life brings tests and difficulties. And he says in the next verse, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible or unspeakable and filled with glory. While we don't see him now in the physical, we have learned to love him. Though we do not see him now, we believe in him and we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Obtaining, as we walk this life, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is what? The salvation of your soul. You're going to keep walking through difficult times, but I'm telling you, heaven awaits. Heaven awaits. Would you stand with me this morning? If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, 
If you do not see him as your Lord, if you do not see him as your Savior today, before we can ever get there, he says, according to his mercy, we are born again. That today, if you have not repented of your sins and put your trust in Jesus, you can do that today. You have not been baptizing, baptized in the only saving name. Today is a great day. We have one that's being baptized today. Sarah is going to be baptized. We're so excited for her. If you have not experienced the wonder of his spirit, if you have not experienced Christ in you, the hope of glory. Today, you can experience him. I don't consider what I preach today the peak of preaching on heaven. But how do you describe heaven? How do you encapsulate it? I I don't know that any one could ever really put it into terms. But I had this thought as I read Peter. I read that passage out of Peter that I don't want to get to the end and say, if I had only known, if I only had realized how amazing heaven would be. I would have lived a little different. I want to live my life today, however difficult it may be at times to serve Jesus Christ, whatever barriers you may feel, whatever trials and tribulations that are associated with serving God, it's worth it. It's going to be worth it because we must endure and so we lay aside every sin we lay aside every weight and you've heard it said if you've been in church any length of time but let me just reiterate this fact that there are weights in our life that maybe you wouldn't call it sin in the bible can't find a scripture per se that talks specifically about it, but if it holds you back from walking with God with everything you have, it seems to indicate that we need to consider every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So today, as we're considering where we are, if you want come to this front and pray for the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to do that in just a moment. But there are some of you who are going through some difficult times. You're going through some adversity in your life. And today I want you to come to this front and I want you to just lift up your hands. Just be reminded of the heaven that awaits for you. That God, I want to go there. 
Whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I want to go there. God, I thank you for this great group, this great congregation who has gathered today. God, we're not just trying to escape some temporary struggle, but Lord, there's a genuineness in us to know you, to seek you, to find you. And God, you've promised us in your word many, many times that there is a hope that waits on us. You called it a living hope, a hope that is with us while we're alive on this earth, while we're walking through struggles and difficult times, you've given us a hope. I pray that that hope would be in view today, that no matter what we're facing, some in this room and even those watching on Facebook live or on our stream, Lord God, may be facing something physical in their life. But God, you've given us a living hope, a living hope that while things in this life may be difficult, there is a hope of a better place. Where there, is no, there are no tears, there is no death, there is no pain, there is no suffering, Lord, that you have a place prepared for us. Oh, God, I pray, I pray there would be something in us that strives to reach for you. I pray if there are weights in this room, if there are things, there are things that we're doing in this life that are pulling us away from you, I pray we would be honest today. I pray if there are sins in our life that we would be honest today because there will be nothing, nothing that will be worth what you, missing out on what you have prepared for us. Oh God, I pray, I pray for peace in this room. I pray, God, for wisdom in this room. I pray for courage in this room in the name of Jesus. I'm inviting you today to step out of your pew and make heaven a place, a destiny that you're committing to go. Step out of your pew today and say, God, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it today, God. I, I acknowledge that heaven is in my view. Heaven is in my view today. Heaven is in my view. Oh, God, I pray for strength today. I pray for courage today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.